you're ready. Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study through the Bible, a chapter at a time, uh, we are currently working through the Old Testament. We did the New Testament already. It took us a little over five years to do the New Testament, chapter at a time. And then about a year and change, we, a year and a couple of months, I guess, we started through the Old Testament, and we finished the book of Genesis, and we've just started last week in the book of Exodus. We're going to work through the Bible, chapter at a time. This is a 15-year journey, this part of it. It's about 20 years altogether if you do the whole thing. But we got five done with the New Testament. You're done. We got 14 left. And uh, good job. Some of you have actually been here for all that time, and I expect to see you all the way through. So uh, 14 more years. And then we just start all over again. should be easier for me next time if I keep all my notes. <laughs> anyway, um, context is why we do the Bible this way. You, it's good to know um, why things are in the Bible, what things are in the Bible, and how they fit together so that we don't take things out of context. That's one of the problems we can have is that if, we, if we're not aware of how it all ties together, we might hear a verse that's taken completely out of context, and we might think, oh, but it's people making it say something it doesn't really say. And we actually have an enemy who's very good at that, and he tries it all over the place, just twisting Scripture a little bit to make it say things that it doesn't, so we need to know what it says and why and why it's there. And so we're, we're taking our time to work through the Bible this way. We, uh, we went through Genesis, 50 chapters of that, and uh, um, that was really good. And so last week we started into Exodus. Exodus is the beginnings of the movement of Israel, the people of Israel, out of 400 plus years of bondage in Egypt um, into the promised land. And so um, we're going to start seeing the... Uh, all of the things that need to be put in place for that to happen. Moses is the author of this book. He sort of is featured very prominently in the book of Exodus. Uh, Moses also wrote Genesis. He recounted this story um, to the people of Israel. So he was writing Genesis, and, and he wrote actually the first five books in the Bible. Um, those first five books are known as the Pentateuch, or the Law. Um, and uh, he wrote them all, so he's writing this one. So remember that. And uh, there's a lot of neat things that happen in Exodus. If you were here with me with Genesis, remember I told you there was four things I wanted you to remember about Genesis? And I, I said we probably won't get back to them, but I want to bring them up again. So uh, just to see if you've remembered, it's been three weeks since we talked about it. And Genesis, I said there's four main events that you need to remember, right? And, and do you remember what they were? Creation, the fall, the flood, Tower of Babel. Okay, and actually in Exodus... There's four main events, too. And so I want to start teaching you to them. Teaching them to you? Yes, not teaching you to them. Uh, teaching them to you so that you can begin to remember it. And when you see if you remember these events, it's very helpful because you can start finding these in the Bible quicker. Because it's very hard sometimes to get a, oh, there's a verse. And uh, I have people ask me, you know, well, you know this verse. And, you know, we can always Google it now. But, but if you don't know it, if you know sort of what's happening then you can find those verses. You can get very close that way. So the four big events that we're going to look at in the book of Exodus, it kind of centers around, are the Passover, and that sort of is the first 14 chapters gets there. The second big event is the crossing at the Red Sea, or the parting of the Red Sea, or however you want to remember it. Um, and that's in chapter 14. 
The third great event is the giving of the law at Sinai. And the fourth is the construction of the tabernacle in the midst of the camp of Israel. All of those things foreshadow things that are very important to us. But those are the four main events in Exodus. So we'll start talking about those every week so that if I say them every week, you'll start to remember them. And so it's, it's Passover, the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, or the crossing of the Red Sea, however you want to remember it, the law, tabernacle. Those are the four big events in Exodus, okay? Um, and really centers around Moses, and, but also Aaron and Miriam. Some other people are going to pop up in the journey. So um, that's what I want you to begin uh, to remember. Also, some, there's some... Um, there's some types of things that happen. In the Old Testament, a lot of times there's, there's types of things that will remind us of and, and foreshadow Jesus and what he's going to do. And one of these things is um, that, that here in the book of Exodus, God's plan to deliver his people starts with a baby. And it's fascinating how that happens in the Scripture. But uh, that's how this happens. And, and, um, and, and so... Moses is a type of, you know, sort of the divine human baby Jesus um, uh, who would come and serve, you know, for us as the redeemer of God's elect through his atoning work on Calvary. But here in Exodus, it's this baby that's going to be the one who delivers the people of Israel out of bondage and through all these journeys. Both of these babies were objects of the enemy's hatred, uh, and he attempts to snuff out the lives of both of them. Remember that crimson thread of redemption I talked about? The enemy fights it all the time, even here. So when we start reading about Pharaoh's attempt to kill all the young, um, young male babies, it was because the deliverer was coming, and he tried to stop it out. You remember in the New Testament when um, Herod found out where Jesus was born, and he, couldn't, he wanted to know where it was? He told the wise men, come and tell me, because I want to go and worship him. It was a trap. And then he found out sort of where it happened, and he went and killed all of the males two years and under. Do you remember that? Trying to, that's the enemy trying to snuff out the, uh, the deliverer that was born. It didn't work in either case. But because um, God is, you know, able to deal with that. But fascinating how the enemy tried to get them while they were still sort of helpless infants in the process, and it didn't happen. So Exodus begins with a baby. We're going to see that. Moses is the baby. Um, he grows up. He's raised in the court of Pharaoh. Uh, he has access to all the learning of the Egyptians, which was a very sort of advanced, um, you know, society at that time. Um, so he, he was trained in the best universities and schools in the greatest empire of the world of that day. And he was actually the foster son of the king himself. Had every privilege and advantage that would have come with that position. But as he grew up, um, God spoke to him, and he realized that he was supposed to be the deliverer of Israel. Um, he's going to go out in sort of a vain attempt um, to, uh, to make that happen in his own strength, and he's going he's to end up murdering somebody. And then he leaves in, flees into the wilderness, and uh, he goes off, and he's a shepherd for 40 years um, in the wilderness while he's out there. And there, you know, God really worked with him and deals with him and speaks to him again, and we'll see that. And then he comes back, and God uses him to ultimately lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Um, and so that's sort of where we're at as we begin chapter 2. So again, you know, um, Moses is sort of a, a type, if you would, of the Messiah, empowered by God's, uh, by, by, uh, to deliver God's people from slavery and, and destruction. 
And so we'll, we'll see that Jesus does that too. And actually the writer of Hebrews um, makes that connection for us in Hebrews 3 2. You can write it down and look at it later. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as a builder of a house is greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house testifying to what would be said in the future. So um, you'll see in a lot of these events that, that Moses foreshadows Jesus, our Redeemer, uh, leading his people out of helplessness and despair. Uh, and then uh, Moses will lead his people slowly but surely into the land of promise, which um, we saw that God promised to Abraham in the covenant um, and to Abraham's seed back in Genesis. So let's pick up the action in Exodus 2.1. 25 verses. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Whatever translation you use is great. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered, and the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Reuel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zephora to Moses in marriage. Zephora gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered the covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so things actually move pretty quickly in this chapter. We cover a lot of ground from the birth of Moses up through the point when he has to, uh, to leave town um, <laughs> for a little murder. So, uh, <laughs> so go figure. Um, 
So, uh, although his name isn't mentioned yet, the baby in this story is Moses. Moses' mother and father, um, we find out their names later on in Exodus. I think Exodus chapter 6, so we know them. Um, her name is uh, uh, Jochebed, and his name was Amram. Um, and he, he has a brother and a sister who will also become pretty important in this story. Uh, his brother's name was Aaron, and her sister's name, his sister's name was Miriam. Um, so uh, Abraham is three years older than Moses, and apparently the edict to kill all the Hebrew male children happened after the time of um, Aaron's birth, but Moses fell under that law that we talked about last thing. The edict came down from Pharaoh, um, but the, the, you know, the Hebrew parents couldn't do it, so she hid him as long as she could, and then she sort of, well, she puts him in the basket. Um, I'm sure that God was in it, right? But she, she, it's some way of not, you know, have, killing him. It's like, let's put him in the basket and see what happens. At least it was sort of a, a shot at giving him some sort of life. And that little um, papyrus um, basket, you know, among the reeds, it would have been well insulated and, and sort of hidden from the weather and difficult to see. Um, but she had put Miriam out there on sort of the bigger sister on the lookout. And, and um, so she knew she couldn't destroy her own child, but that Pharaoh had this new law. She had to sort of comply, and, and so she, she's sort of complying with it in a, in a way by putting him in this basket in the river um, because they were supposed to be drowning their babies, and uh, you can't even imagine that. Um, and so God uses this act to actually take Moses and put him in the house of Pharaoh where he'll be trained and rise in position and all sorts of neat stuff. I love how God uses things um, in the whole process. And it, sometimes, you know, it almost will make you chuckle uh, if you read the Bible, how God will use situations like, here's this situation. Pharaoh's got this horrible law. Baby Moses is in a basket. Miriam is watching. Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby, wants to keep the baby. Miriam walks up and says, hey, I, I know one of the Hebrew um, moms who could nurse this baby for you. And, uh, and she says, okay, bring her to me. And she pays her. <laughs> To reunite this family, son with mom. I mean, it's really kind of fascinating. This should, that stuff should make you chuckle a little bit. The enemy's hard at work trying to stop it, and God takes it and uses it all. And, and here we go. So Moses gets to spend, you know, his, his, uh, until he's weaned with his, his birth mom and family uh, in the process. And um, that Pharaoh's daughter was there. Uh, and... and they're not sure historically exactly. It's, it's one of two possible times, depending on when, when you date the Exodus. Um, um, but uh, it was probably the wife of a pharaoh who couldn't have children that found uh, the baby and wanted to have it as a child. Um, or it was a daughter uh, of a pharaoh who, again, same situation, and um, scoops the baby up, saves the baby, has the baby nursed, and... Uh, and um, and so the family is united for a time in the process, and I just think that's an amazing thing. So that kind of happens in the first nine verses. Then, uh, you know, quickly Moses has is, is, is grown up, and he's, um, he's, he must be sort of aware of his situation by this point already because he sees uh, um, an injustice taking place by an Egyptian um, against one of his people, and, and uh, do, you, you know, do you read the description? He kind of glanced around to see if anybody was looking, and they weren't, and he steps in and kills this guy. 
and buries him in the sand um, like he could get away with it. But then the next day, he's going down there um, to sort of kind of, he's probably feeling pretty good about himself. You know, hey, I'm really, I'm delivering my people, one, one Egyptian at a time. I don't know what his thought was, but uh, it was going to take a long time that way. Um, and, and, uh, and then he sees his own people fighting with one another, and he's shocked by that. He said, why in the world will you be fighting one another when we're in this big mess anyway? And they were just people having issues. And you, can you imagine his shock when one of them said, what are you going to do, kill me like you did the Egyptian? And he's like, uh-oh, it's not a secret. Uh, um, you know, <laughs> that whole process just make you think a little bit of him glancing around before he did something he shouldn't. Do you ever do you think sometimes we do, sometimes we kind of justify, possibly, doing something we shouldn't by the thought, well, nobody will see. And the reality is, he's always watching. Always. I remember, um, I had this, I was thinking about, um, when, I used to go to the gym all the time, and they, it was, uh, I, not that I don't still do stuff, but just don't do it at the gym. I work out of the house now, but at the gym, they had the, because I was like, oh, you quit going. No. The, um, it was sort of self, there was never always, there wasn't employees in there. You had your own key. All the members had a key, and you could go in, and, and they had, they monitored it by camera on the, on the walls. And, uh, and so the realization was that at any point in time, somebody could be watching you. So you didn't want to be like posing in the mirror, you know. <laughs> you know, how some of you might do when you're at the gym. And, and uh, so not, probably none of you ever done that. And anyway. And I started getting, and the realization was that there's like half a dozen cameras in there. They're always watching you do stuff. And so you had to think about it, you know, because you, you weren't really in there by yourself. There was, and I started thinking, you know, in, in life, um, we really should live like somebody's watching us all the time because somebody always is. And what would you not do? What would you do differently if you really lived like somebody was watching you all the time? And it's a pretty interesting dynamic to start thinking about because it'll keep you on your toes and, and keeps you from sort of glancing around to see if you can get away with something. And, and we can't. Um, even, if we, even if we get away with something, somebody, he, he always knows. Always. So uh, just sort of something I was thinking about. I like that he glanced, Moses, and just kind of seen. Um, so he runs away because uh, Pharaoh's trying to kill him now for, for murdering someone. And, uh, and so he runs away to Midian, and he's a stranger in a strange land. He's separated from his home and his family, his people. Um, he, he gets to this well, and uh, there's, there, he, there's these uh, seven um, daughters of, uh, there from this guy. His, his actually, that's actually Jethro. His name is, we know him as Jethro um, later on. And they're being harassed by uh, shepherds who have come to the well at the same time and are sort of chasing the women away. And Moses um, chases all them away. Uh, so obviously Moses could, uh, was a fairly commanding figure. Uh, and uh, this large group of shepherds, whoever they were, were no match for Moses. He chases them away. And then he helps all these, uh, the, the helps the, the seven daughters get all the sheep water they needed and takes care of them in the process. And um, that makes their work go faster. They end up home a little earlier, and um, their dad says, you know, how did that happen? And they told him the story, and he says, invite him back into the house, and, and uh, um, he comes back, and, and then Zephora is given to him as a wife, and um, that begins his process there um, with the shepherds 
in um, Midian, and, and, um, and he will be there 40 years. And then uh, from there, we're going to see the burning bush pretty soon. God tells him to go back, and, uh, and that begins a sort of long process of him learning to trust God and doing what he's told, but we'll get into that as we pick it up from there next week. All right, that's Exodus 2, uh, sort of the short version. So.